Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the day. October the 2nd, 2022, and this is uh, episode number five of Welcome to the Struggle, and we should complete uh, this this series today. We uh, welcome you and are so, so happy that you're here with us this morning if you're tuning in to the live broadcast or if you're listening to it at a later date. We welcome your uh, attention to it. As a way of announcement, we will not be having a live broadcast next Sunday. So that would be on apparently the 9th of uh, October uh, due to the fact that our the folks that work in our uh, broadcast area are not going to be here with us. So we'll pick it up again the next Sunday. So, um, as you remember, our normal or our original preface uh, preface here 
in this uh, Welcome to the Struggle lesson was a three-point thing, and we should be able to deal with the last point today. Um, the first point was God's way and will or ours, and that is what we define as the struggle. The history of this condition amongst men, we've spent a number of weeks discussing different passages, from mostly from Genesis, uh, concerning this, the beginnings of men's dealings with God and God's actions amongst them. The third point is the solution to the terminal condition, as I call it, to struggle against God. Your whole life is indeed a terminal condition if there is no remedy found. Now, God has always supplied a remedy and a way through faith and obedience. So uh, we, we have that and we'll be discussing that today as we look at it. Today I want to share with you what I consider nearly the ultimate struggle for mankind it has to do with their family members. Um, and the passage that we're going to look at certainly represents that. <clears throat> it also, um, because it's dealing with the father and son, it's also a, a shadow of the true type of Jesus, the Son of God, and his Father in heaven. Uh, that type is, is uh, uh, the, the true type, that is it. And we understand from this passage in Genesis uh, the emotions that go, that are part of what God has said in, I think, John 3.16, for God has so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. That those aren't just words, they are actually uh, a very emotional statement. And then after that we'll look at the remedy that I believe the New Testament teaches us concerning the struggle. Uh, and that struggle that I'm talking about is, is in many times brings people into a disobedient uh, era in their life towards their creator. And some people never find their way. But God has provided a way and always has. Both in the first covenant, well, um, well first uh, the patriarchal um, position of man through those many years, God has provided a way there. He provided a way under the, um, the Abraham covenant with every option um, through faith and obedience. And of course in the New Testament we find the New Covenant being purchased in the blood of Jesus of Nazareth, the, the remedy <coughs> for the struggle. The struggle has many positions in our life. It has much, many uh, categories in a lot of ways. But God has an answer for every category or every decision we make. There is a right decision to make. So that's what we'll be looking at. I think I might as well get right into the account I'd like to share with you. Famous account 
Um, most of you have probably been involved in reading and studying it. We're going to look at it again from Genesis 22. And this account has to do with Abraham and Isaac. Um, I will say, the, uh, in the first passage here, uh, when I when I read this uh, verse, I I see uh, um, that some may see a contradiction. I know in James, uh, James makes a proclamation that God does not tempt anyone. Um, but and I think tempt is is a word. If we define it, we're not we're not going to go into what exactly that Greek word word in the passage. I didn't prepare that. But most usually it's, it's translated as tested. Now testing is different than than a than tempting, if you will. So I want to bring that up. I don't believe there's a contradiction here because. This, of course, <laughs> this certainly was a testing of the faith and obedience of Abraham towards his creator. Now, if God would, would do so to Abraham, we also know that he, he uh, caused this to happen to Lot, or not Lot, um, Job, rather. He was tested also. But we can expect this testing in our own lives um, in some fashion, uh, possibly. So let's, let's look at the passage. Uh, it's got 19 verses. We're going to read them because uh, within it we find the incredible account. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abram or Abraham, and said to him, Abraham, lo, I am here, Abraham said. And he said, Take thy son, the beloved one, whom thou hast loved, Isaac, and go into the high land, and offer him there as a whole burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now, there's a lot of stress right there. And yet, what well, the account goes on as though those comments didn't have any effect on Abraham. But it's in verse 3 it says, And Abraham rose up in the morning and saddled his ass, and he took with him two servants, and Isaac his son, and having split wood for a whole burnt offering, he arose and departed, and came to the place of which God spoke to him. On the third day, and Abraham, having lifted up his eyes, saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his servants, Sit ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will proceed thus far, and having worshipped, we will return to you. And Abraham took the wood 
of the whole burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took into his hands both the fire and the knife, and the two went together. And Isaac said to Abraham his father, Father, and he said, What is it, son? And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the sheep for a whole burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sheep for a whole burnt offering, my son. And both having gone together, came to the place which God spoke of to him. And there Abraham built an altar and laid the wood on it. And having bound the feet of Isaac his son together, he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched forth his hand to take the knife to slay his son. Verse 11. And an angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Behold, I am here. And he said, Lay not thine hand on the child, neither do anything to him. For now I know that thou fearest God, and for my sake thou hast not spared thy beloved son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, and beheld, and lo, a ram caught by his horns in a plant of Sabbath. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a whole burnt offering in the place of Isaac his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord hath seen, that they might say to today in the mount of the Lord was seen. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called Abraham the second time out of heaven, saying, I have sworn by myself, says the Lord, because thou hast done this thing, and on my account hast not spared thy beloved son. Surely, blessings I will bless thee, and multiply I will bless, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is by the shore of the sea, and thy seed shall inherit the cities of their enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast hearkened to my voice. And Abraham returned to his servants, and they arose and went together to the well of the oath. And Abraham dwelt at the well of the oath. Now that's the passage. Now, I think if we go back to verses 6 through 8, We see the, the struggle so well defined here for Abraham. Let me read it again. And Abraham took the wood of the whole burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took into his hands both the fire and the knife, and the two went together. And then Isaac said to Abraham his father, and he said, What is it, son? And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the sheep for a whole burnt offering? What a situation Abraham was dealing with here. 
And you know, this is the crux of obeying God's word. This is the point to which you come to. Do you have the faith and courage to obey God's word? We see that Abraham did because of this account. But I want to stress the fact that this is an incredible test, if you will. Now, Abraham, Abraham had an answer for his son. And really, it's the correct answer, isn't it? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sheep for the whole burnt offering, my son. God will provide. Because what was told Abraham, he was going to comply with. So when we go to verse 12, we go to verse 12, we read, as the angel out of heaven said, he said this, and he said, Lay not thy hand upon the child, neither do anything to him, for now I know that thou fearest God. And for my sake thou hast not spared thy beloved son. For now I know. That's the statement from heaven concerning Abraham. By the way, do we need any stronger passage in the scripture to totally obliterate obliterate the doctrine of Calvinism where Man has no, absolutely no control over anything. And that everything is predetermined. Abraham was a free agent to obey or disobey. And friends, that is is the truth of, of, of what the scripture tells us all the way through. Now, And on one point, this great truth is a wonderful thing to know. On the other, though, there is a a side of this, like, you know, the second law of thermodynamics. There is another thing. Because of this fact, we, each one, are responsible 100% for our decisions and actions. You You can't have it any other way but this. And this is the way it is. This is why this is so important. We need an example as such as Abraham. We need to know that within the human uh, person, within our spirit, within our soul and our mind and heart, we can make a decision such as this. It would not be easy. It would be a struggle indeed. Um, but to hear from heaven that now God knows that that he will that Abraham would do exactly as God has told him to do. For now I know that thou fearest God. That is that is reverence, God. That's not. That's not being fearful in, in, in our understanding. It's the ultimate reverence of God, the ultimate respect, the ultimate love, and the assurance of Abraham 
believing God, obeying God, and being uh, faithful to God. And his fidelity in, in all of this makes it clear to God, the Creator in heaven, that this, this was indeed an obedient, uh, an obedient man, and because of that, he was going to bless his seed. And of course, when we find that word seed here in the singular, we know that we're talking about the Messiah. Is the Messiah uh, that from Genesis chapter three that would crush Satan's head? This is the blessing that would come from Abraham um, through uh, through through the ages until the birth of Jesus of Nazareth many, many years later, many, many centuries later. And a lot of struggle, a lot of decisions, a lot of faithful actions, and a lot of unfaithful actions occurred in the, in the meantime um, after this account. But this account is incredible. I have literally seen... Uh, older men that would read this account and come to the understanding of it, what it's actually saying, the uh, evidence of it, the meaning of it, and how important it is to us actually come to tears over this passage. So this is something you know that we need to understand, uh, and I think we don't want to forget this pass it on you know that's a good thing to to pass on if you if you you know people have many struggles and 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 many times it has to do with family children wives and husbands and things of this sort and it seems like at the at the time that you're the you're in the worst position anyone has ever been in but just remember abraham and just remember, be true to God. Be true to the Word. And you'll come through it. For God always provides a way. As he did here. Now, I think the idea of him being tested is the key here and not the idea of tempted. Because... First off, the uh, we are complicit in our in our being uh, tempted. If you read James the first chapter, you're going to find that uh, he says that God does not tempt anyone. You know why? We don't need any help in being faithless. That comes to us quite easily if we allow it. And I, I believe we've read that passage in. Uh, just in in this lesson itself. But if not, read James chapter 1 from a good version in your Bible and you will see uh, the condition that we truly are in as as people. We have a great and wonderful responsibility to be found worthy of, of the good gifts of God. All right. You know, Neil, we need to be thankful for this verse because it shows us who God is. 
And it's not the God that's being taught in the churches today. And it's not the God that's being, that's being uh, shopped around in society today. But it, it's the real God. It's how he really is. And Abraham is how we should be. And, and you know, you're right. It absolutely sets in cement the rest of Scripture. In cement, unmovable from that point on. Yes, that's the direction and tone. The revealing God as He truly is isn't that the idea of going to the Scripture? I, I agree with what you said. And Neil, bring it back to the New Testament writings that we have, where Jesus and the you know apostles are raising the dead at their whim. Right. So death, death has no power over God. We live in a world where someone being killed or dying is the worst thing that can happen. Amen. But friends, that's absolutely not true. That's not the worst thing that can happen to a person. The worst thing to happen to anyone is be disobedient to their Creator, reject His words, ignore His words, His Ignore his, his gift and offer of salvation. Those are the worst things that can happen to any human. To become an enemy of God. You see, if you're not with God, you are his enemy. This, the gray area only exists in the minds of men. Not in God's. That's a... Yeah, that's why this is so important, and it has everything to do with it. Now, I think we want to spend the rest of our time dealing with the, the remedy, as I see it. I use that word <coughs> as a kind of adding like a medical term to it, a solution to our problem, a solution to the situation that is making us weak, sick, and hopeless. And a lot of it has to do with us worrying about and constantly um, failing and knowing we're failing, not doing the next right thing, not doing this or not doing that, and letting it, that's eating us up. And that's where many people are at. Oh, that's not what, they're not going to, if you ask them how you doing, they're going to say, oh, I'm fine. But, but not everybody's fine. Although, I've never had anybody tell me they weren't. Well, I did have one person say, I'm good, but it's getting much worse. Yeah. But outside of that, uh, that the point I'm making, I think, is, is here. So the remedy. Let's deal with first what the New Testament teaches about the condition of mankind outside of God's promises in God's remedy for sin. This is the condition of mankind then and today. We go to Romans. We've got three passages in Romans. Uh, Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. All right. Let's hear the words here. <clears throat> this is, of course the Apostle Paul writing to the 
the assembly in Rome, the assembly in Christ in Rome. And he says, And now apart from law hath the righteousness of God been manifested or clearly seen, testified to by the law and the prophets. The righteousness, the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ to all and upon all those believing. For there is no difference. For all did sin and are come short of the glory of God. Remember that verse. For all did sin. Verse 24. Being declared righteous freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God did send, did set forth a mercy seat through the faith in his blood for the showing forth of his righteousness because of the passing over of the bygone sins in the forbearance of God. For the showing forth of his righteousness in the present time for his being righteous and declared his declaring his righteousness um, declaring him righteous who is of the faith of Jesus there's a lot of terminology that we don't use anymore but that terminology of being of the faith of Jesus that's an important statement that we don't hear I like that translation um, this is our condition. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, we're going to find what, what sin brings. You see, as James says, uh, to, to break one point of the law is to break all the law. In other words, as, as a Jewish person, uh, son of Abraham... The the people that would sin against God needed a sacrifice offered to to deal with their sin, and they did so on a yearly basis, as they as the high priest actually placed the the um, the figuratively the sin of of the people and himself upon the scapegoat and took it sent it outside of the city as as a as a uh, illustration, if you will, of the sin being taken away from the people at, until the appropriate time. See, they were waiting for what? Redemption. They were waiting for a situation that would allow them to have a remedy for their sin, uh, something that needed to be done. Because the sin question was very strong. It was with them every day and every night, all the time. Did, they were dealing with it. Did, did not Isaiah write that, that uh, pro- prophesy that, that God will remember their sins no more? That's exactly right. I, I've, I've listened to a number of, of uh, you know, Jews talking about why they're not Christ- Christians, even though they uh, have a lot of respect for the Christian faith. But the first answer is always, well, Jesus isn't God, and that's a, that's a viable point. But the second one is the second one is is that they don't believe that somebody could die for their sin. That's right. 
they didn't believe it 2,000 years ago, too, many of them. Yes. Um, and that, that's one, one of the, we have a terrible obstacle in doing any conversion, any preaching towards the Jewish people or those that consider themselves Jewish and holding to the Jewish faith and principles of the Old Testament. Um, because the Jewish people have painted Christianity with the big wide brush of Trinitarianism, Calvinism, and every other ism there is. And unfortunately, a lot of the times they're right. That's true. And they're right on many points. The Muslims do the same thing. That's also true. This is a problem. By the way, I was just, just reading, and th this problem is because in the, we live in the, the world of Christendom that wants to be ecumenical amongst all the different directions and disciplines of Christianity, whatever your particular version might be. And they call that unity. But friends, there is no unity in, in that position. That's not what unity means. Matter of fact, we're looking, they're, they're really dealing with union. They want to, that people want to be united or you have union with others of the same faith, as they say. But there can be no un, or, uh, union unless there is unity in with Christ and in Christ, a true Christian. That's the point that's being completely ignored today. It's lost in the shuffle. And that's why this is so important. Um, no, not all the Jews accepted the Messiah. Um, but many of them through that 40-year period did. Many, many of them. Uh, the ones that did not, the one that worked, the ones that worked against the way or Christianity as it was known, uh, suffered greatly at the conclusion of that covenant in 70 A.D. Well, Neil, take it, take it back to Abraham. Did he, did he argue terms with God? He definitely did not. There is no way for us to see any any uh, pushback on what was said. He simply obeyed. And, you know, it, it, is it wrong to have to question something? No. I, I don't believe it is. But let's question things and then search out the truth of the matter instead of just relegating it to the position of nobody knows. Amen. That's, not, that's not a good place to be. No. Uh, I don't want to, to me, that's, that's ignorance personified there. Uh, inconvenience. Yeah. Oh, it's very inconvenient to be, <laughs> it, it's very inconvenient to really dig into something and find the truth of it all. But Jesus said of his father, your word is truth. So if we're standing for what God has said, aren't we standing in the truth? That's a good place to be, whether or not our, our situation may, in, in a physical way, in a social way, may have some real problems. But we need to, we need to be wise with, with this. And 
you know, just making a, a stand, stomping your foot and, and going into a tirade uh, about these things is not how we, we deal with problems. We need, to, we need to spend some time at it. And hopefully that's what we do. Uh, that's certainly the direction of this particular uh, class that we have and we offer here, is to study out these things instead of just jumping to conclusions. Let's go to the next passage in Romans 5, verse 1 through 10. Now listen to these words. Having been declared righteousness, then, through faith we have peace towards God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's in faith, uh, but nonetheless. Through whom also we have the access by the faith into his grace in which we have stood, and we boast on the hope of the glory of God. And not so only, so but we also boast in the tribulations, knowing that tribulation doth work endurance, and the endurance experience, and the experience hope. And the hope doth not make ashamed, because the love of God hath been poured forth in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that hath been given to us. For in our being, still ailing, Christ, in due time did die for the impious. For scarcely for a righteous man will anyone die. For the good man, perhaps someone, also doth dare to die. And God doth command his own love to us, that in our being, still sinners, Christ did die for us. Much more then, having been declared righteous, now in his blood we shall be saved through him from the wrath. For if, being enemies, we have been reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved in his life. Now I offer this text as a as a remedy. It talks about tribulation. It talks about all the things that, that we, we see um, and that we experience. And yet, there's, there's a remedy for it. Uh, and the remedy is to be free in Christ. Now, I want to point out here in verse 10 where the idea that being outside of, of the condition of being in Christ is being an enemy, as the scripture says. But we can be reconciled through his son. And this is where the, the, the cults and, the, uh, and those that would uh, come close and call themselves Christians but reject Christ as uh, as their redeemer have a problem because you see it's the it's the gospel presented and preached by the Lord's apostles that is where we come to fellowship with our Savior and with our Creator God 
we have we have no opportunity to go to God if we in any way reject Christ and if and if we accept Christ then we will do the things that are obedient to the terms of pardon that God has set forth in his son the blood of Christ you will not contact the blood of Christ using your own gospel or your own best best works or best lifestyle or loving ways. Those things are, are not a remedy. Your problem still exists. And why is that? Romans 6.23 says it clearly. For the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is life, age during, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, friends, this is the the gospel. This is the conclusion of the gospel message, if if you will, from the apostles of Christ. It's a simple matter. We have a sin issue, and there are consequences to our sin that need to be dealt with. Either we're going to deal with it and suffer it, or we're going to allow the, the, our sins to be taken away and, and, and remedied by the blood of Christ that is the agency, if you will, that, for, that it takes away the sins, that God will see them no more, as Alex said. And Isaiah wrote, wrote that, wrote that uh, in, in a prophetic way 600 years before the Messiah came, that God would see them no more. And also, that's also talked about in the in the scriptures. Um, it's also talked about uh, the reference actually in, in in Daniel chapter 12 too, as far as that goes. <clears throat> the whole concept is there had to be a remedy for sin, and and this, and sin comes from the struggle and us losing the struggle that needs to be dealt with. So, let's kind of turn a little bit now and look at part of the, even though the solution's given to us here in Romans, but Ephesians chapter 4, I want to share with you from verse 17. And this is the Apostle Paul in, as he writes to the assembly in Ephesus. And this is the chapter, of course, where we have the famous beginning of the chapter, the oneness, as we call it, um, the unity of the Spirit. That's what we're called to do as, as Christians. As Christians. This letter is written, to a, is to, written to Christian people that are in Christ, but they are to have unity in Spirit. <coughs> Not union, but unity. Union comes, union is fine as long as unity, the terms of unity are met then we can say that we have union with others of the same faith, like precious faith, they used to say. But here in verse 17 in Ephesians 4, This then I say, and I testify in the Lord, you are no more to walk, as also the other nations walk, in the vanity of their minds. By the way, everything we're going to read here is just how we avoid 
the struggle. Okay? Being darkened in the understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because the hardness of their heart, who having ceased to feel themselves did give up to lasciviousness for the working of all uncleanness in greediness. In verse 20, and he's saying this to remind them what they have been taught. And you did not so learn the Christ. So friends, we need to be taught concerning Christ. We need to be taught by the word of God concerning the terms of pardon, who the Christ is, why, all of the things that we've been talking about. And you did not so learn the Christ. We need to keep coming back to that in our minds. What is the teaching concerning this? Verse 21. We're going to go through 25. If so be ye did hear him, and in him were taught as truth is in Jesus. You are to put off concerning the former behavior, the old man, that is corrupt according to the desires of, of the deceit and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new man which according to God was created in righteousness and kindness of the truth. Wherefore, putting away the lying speak truth each with his neighbor because we are members one of another. That's the unity, being members one of another. If you can't say that of your brother and sister in Christ, then there's an impasse that needs to be taken care of. There's a problem that needs to be um, studied out, put away, and resolved. And there is always always a, a resolution through the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul made it clear to the Corinthians that <clears throat> there, there has to be disagreements among you so that, and this is the key, you don't just stop there and say, well, it's okay to argue. I got my way and they got theirs. No, no, no. There must be, there must be differences and arguments among you so that the one approved by God will be clearly seen. So there's going to be someone there that's going to be able to point out the truth of God's word in a way, kindly, lovingly, and firmly, the the, the truth of the of the whatever the debate is. Well, I'm also reading in there that there's nothing it's productive to have disagreements. And, you know, everybody as a group learns together in those situations. Um, it's always such a deal breaker. Uh, you go to some, visit some group somewhere, you don't like what you hear, you're out. You never go back. That's, that's, that's it. One time's not good enough. And un- unfortunately, within 
the assembly here, we've had just that happen. Many, many years ago, I'll never forget the the look on a woman's face. She, her and one of her children came with her uh, into our class, and we were studying Job and uh, talking about some things. Uh, and I was bringing up the uh, the concept of uh, well, I forget what it was. It had to do with uh, uh, oh, the measurements of time about about the earth standing still and going going back, and that was <laughs> that was it. <laughs> the look on her face told me everything. I didn't have to say anything more, and I understand that. But of course, she never gave me an opportunity to to help her around this uh, because you see, in the physical physical sense. In the, in in just the the worldly sense, uh, to our own understanding, leaning on our own understanding, we can't imagine how this could ever happen. But I was making it clear that this particular these accounts of, of the of the time has now been proven to happen because of the measurements in in uh, that we have now. Mathematical measurements of the stars, their positioning, and we know about that time that was lost, as it's called. Oh, I know what it was in relationship to. The the uh, when they were talking about going to the moon, they they uh, they run into because of what's known as the atomic clock. They run into this missing almost a, a 24 period hour period that was missing in time, and until they solved the problem, <laughs> they really couldn't launch anything because of the trajectory and all the math that comes into it. Okay, that's, that's the account. And, um, and one of the people there uh, within NASA said, well, I know where it's at, and he read those passages to, the, to a stark silence of everyone there as to what in the world are you talking about? But he gave the evidence of where this time went. And by the way, the scripture's clear because it doesn't give an exact. It says about. When it talks about Moses, the long, longest day, about a day. And, and Asa's, uh, the sun going the backwards on the steps of Asa that in Hezekiah's time has and evidence that Hezekiah would live and have a son, God, Hezekiah said, well, I want to see it go backwards as evidence, and so it did. And they knew how big the steps are. Um, they, they even know the, actually, the exact day that Moses stood with his arms up in the battle. They know the exact day because of the description in the Bible. They were able to put it all together and come up with a date. They've known that since the 40s, the 1940s. Uh, that was written in a book that I have. So uh, I think all that's very, very interesting. So is there a solution to the struggle? I believe it's very clear through Scripture and through faith. In this, men and women can live 
and serve their God and Creator as we are living in faith and in Christ. You see, we must have both. We hope that these these things will help and help others. And we're going to to not go after this any any further because I'll tell you one thing like this one thing leads to another here. You're going to find evidence of this whole struggle and the remedy for it all through the scripture. It's so it's there, but it's it's many times forgotten. And I think of one of the biggest things that I find. Uh, it's called the. Uh, it, it's a, a man that uh, was preaching against Christianity many years ago in the 1940s and 50s. He had a two-point question that he believed that showed that uh, this can, none of this can be true. And his first point was, if there is a loving God, how can he allow bad things? to happen to good people. And he left it at that. And that's been that's been a real st- stumbling block for people and, and I think we've spent time on it even in this class. But if you look at the things that's happened. By the way, do you think it was a bad thing that was going to happen to Isaac? You cannot accuse the creator of mankind the maker and the creator of murdering or causing harm to the creation. Remember, he is the potter and we are the clay. And it's all because we think that death is the worst thing that can happen to us. If you read God's word, you'll find that that is not the case. We hope you have a blessed week to come. Remember, we will not be broadcasting live next Sunday, but we'll resume on the following Sunday. We pray that you will have a wonderful week to come as you are busy about your service to our, to our God and to his Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we do pray. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.